Welcome to Leslie and Lily, a marketing podcast to help new business owners market themselves in the digital sphere. I'm Leslie, owner of Lily Rose DNA. Welcome back to Leslie and Lily, the podcast for business owners as they navigate themselves through the digital sphere. This week, we're going to be doing something a little differently. We are going to be talking about real estate and how you can market yourself well in this seller's market. Our guest today is Trice Hodges. She is a realtor extraordinaire based in the Chicago area. Hey, Trice, how are you today? I'm great, Leslie. How are you? Wonderful. So technically, this is the second time we've had you on this show. She's so great. She had to come back, everybody. (laughs) She had to come back. That's what this is about. And so we have known each other for years. And what I really love and appreciate about Trice is not only her moxie, but her knowledge. She really does know what she's talking about. And when you follow her on her social media, she's constantly giving tips and tricks for people who want to sell their homes as well as people who want to buy their homes, buy new homes or new um, properties. So Trice, could you tell us, um, could you introduce yourself a little bit more? I mean, I gave you something, but I, I mean, it's great when people say it in their own words. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, my my name is Teresa, as Leslie mentioned. I am a licensed realtor in the Chicagoland area. I actually started, um, I was in Hot Tally for 10 years, working in luxury hotels, and um, I needed a different challenge and real estate was that challenge for me so after trying to buy a house and not understanding what the process uh the process and how that works um I figured I wasn't the only one who maybe was afraid to even start trying to buy without the information and so it became my goal to educate myself and therefore educate others and that is my mission um to just make sure that we all have the as much information, as much knowledge as possible when looking to buy or sell real estate. And you know what? What I think is great, like you just said something that I've heard a lot of other business owners say that basically they were looking for a better way and then they kind of just fell into a new career where it's like, mm-hmm. you know what? I wanted to leave my old job anyway. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yes. So, And so like going through their rabbit hole of like, oh, well, let me learn about this. Let me learn about that. Actually, this is really interesting. So now it's a career. And I mean, I'm seeing all the stuff that you're doing um, and I'm really excited for you. So if you guys are in the Chicagoland area and you need a realtor, Teresa is your girl. And we're going to get into why. So I've been noticing that a lot of the posts that you've been doing lately have been talking about how it truly is a seller's market. What does that mean? So great question. I think that's the thing that people uh, definitely need to understand what it, what it means to be in a seller's market. Um, And so real estate is all about supply and demand. So let's just start there, which, you know, you learn that in school, like fifth grade, but you don't really understand it, right? Until you get older and it's like, oh, that's how it works. Um, So (laughs) a seller's market um, indicates that there are more buyers in the real estate market than there are homes for sale. So basically right now, what's happening mostly all over the country um, is that there are a lot more buyers out in the streets that are looking to buy than there are homes on the market for them to purchase. So 
if if people are looking right now, if people are in the market shopping right now, what they probably notice is if they go to a showing or maybe even open house, there's multiple people there and there may be even a line forming outside of people who are waiting just to see that one property. That's signs of a seller's market. Everyone wants to see this one house because there's not too many that are on the market available to them. Wow. So does that also mean that the person who is selling it, usually they can start at a higher price point because it's competitive right now? Absolutely. So like a grocery store, right? So let's go with the the pandemic, right? We know that disinfectants, uh, hand sanitizer, wipes, we know that toilet paper, all of that, the prices increased because demand increased, right? And there was right. not a lot left, right? I'm sorry, the demand decreased. There wasn't a lot left on the shelf. And so when has hand sanitizer ever been $7? You talk about it. You know, and but that's because the demand, it calls for it. There was not a lot left, but there was too many people wanting it. And so the price went up. And that's exactly what's happening because now sellers are aware that there are so many buyers, the competition is high. So why can't I market my house for $30,000 over what the market actually says it's worth? You know what? This is when I'm like, I wish that I had multiple properties because I'm like, you know, <laughs> if I don't want to pay the taxes in Chicago right now. Sure. You can take this off my hands. Like, yes, I'm good. Yes. yes I'm yes. good. It's the Does- perfect time to for, buy, for sellers to sell. It's the perfect market, which is why it's a seller's market, right? It's the perfect for sellers to put their houses on the market. You're going to get more than what your home is worth. And so for people who are looking to actually buy a new home or property, what is something that they need to know going in right now to the seller's market? Um, They need to know and understand that gone are the days of having the bare minimum to purchase a home. Mm -hmm. Um, That may come back, but right now, um, I mentioned the competition being high. So these people that are looking to buy right now, they have top credit top dollar and they are willing to bring cash to the table over what the asking price is okay Mm -hmm. so the one thing that you need to know is that you have to position yourself if you do not have i I, i'll say 650 but even that's kind of low at this point Uh, if you don't have that 650 credit score if you don't have that 10k at least saved up in the bank this may not be the market for you. What's happening right now is, let's say a home is listed on the market for two seventy-five. Okay, it comes back. The appraisal happens, and it appraises at two fifty. People are telling the sellers, "I will bring the twenty-five thousand dollars in cash to the table." I don't wow. care that it appraised for that, and that the lender is only going to give me two hundred and fifty. We'll bring the $25,000 in cash to the closing table because that's how bad I want your home. So if you are not in that position to fight for it, I don't want to discourage you, but I'm just saying, I don't want you to get your feelings hurt either. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just saying that you may need to just, you know, continue building your statements, continue working on your credit. um, So when the market changes, you are good to go and you are that top competitor. But in this market, you may not be that. 
And how long has this seller's market been going on? I mean, things like ebb and flow, I know, but you just said that like for the foreseeable future, it's going to be a seller's market. So that can kind of give people time to build up. But when do you think that this might taper off? So what we are, so the first question was how long has it been a seller's market? Well, when the, uh, when coronavirus uh, (laughs) started, everyone thought that it would be a buyer's market, right? And over time, we also thought that homes would eventually go into foreclosure. And then, there, you know, we would have all of these properties available and buyers would be able to buy homes for the for dirt cheap, right? We thought what happened in like 2012 and 2008, we thought that was going to happen, right? Right. That did not. Instead, it went the complete opposite. And so, and of course, we have the forbearances that have been extended. Uh, so sellers are able, not sellers, homeowners are able to keep their homes longer than what they thought. Okay. So what that created for uh, um, also, uh, people were uncertain, right? The economy was not what we thought, what we were used to. So a lot of people stopped, they, if they had their home on the market, they took it off. Um, if their house was on the market, they were like, I don't want anybody in my house and I can end up with Corona. So let's take this off the market. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that then diminished the number of homes that were being listed on the market. But it didn't take away from those buyers who thought this was going to be the perfect buyer for the the, the perfect market for them. Okay. So in March of last year, it was a little easy because everybody wasn't out and about looking to buy homes. And then that switched. And then everybody got out there and started looking to buy homes and the sellers still were unsure about if they wanted to list their homes or not. But you still had those buyers. Now what's happening, uh, because for a while, homes were getting snatched up. So now as soon as a home gets listed today, if you don't go see it today, tomorrow it's already under contract, right? So now it was like, if a home was on the market longer than a week, what's going on, right? Um, Now what we're seeing is that homes are staying on the market a little bit longer than normal. Uh, and by normal, what's happened in the last like 13, uh, 14 months, um, they are staying on the market a little bit longer than what they were, which are signs that the market could be changing or beginning to change. But who knows? Right. Um, and so there's no there's no exact time that I can say, like, the market is going to change at this point. It really just depends on the homeowners. How, you know, who's going to sell the forbearance? How are they going to extend that again? There's so many different factors that come into play uh, that makes this market what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, if you, like you said in the beginning, if you don't have that credit score, if you don't have this amount of cash um, in the bank, if you, you can take time to actually, either way, if you're taking another year, year and a half to build those things up, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to be positioned to, um, to win in a seller's market, as well as if things taper off, you'll be able to win in a buyer's market as well. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. That, I mean, it's so, see, once again, these are things that I wish that my school went over. I'm growing up because. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) 
you know, it's like, tell me how do I buy a house? Talk to me about all these hidden costs that are involved. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us um, what are some of the hidden costs that most people don't know about when it comes to buying a home? Absolutely. So uh, the very first thing you're going to do, the first cost you're going to pay for when you go under contract. So to get the pre-approval, to to talk to a realtor, uh, to even have a realtor work with you, you're not paying anything out of pocket up front unless, no, unless there's a retainer fee, right? Which is up to the, the individual realtor. So the first thing that you will pay for is going to be the earnest money. And earnest money is letting the seller know that you're serious about purchasing their home. It's like, listen, I like it. I, I It's all in good faith. Like, this is what I want, right? Um, and that that price can range. You can be 10% of the purchase price. It, it can go up from there, okay? So that's the first thing you're going to pay. The second thing you're going to pay is going to be the inspection cost. So I mentioned to you earlier that I'm actually sitting at an inspection right now. Um, and so what's happening is the inspector is going to come out. He's going to check for the mechanicals of the property, the plumbing, the electrical. He's going to check the roof, um, the garage. He's going to make sure there's no water damage, all of that. So you do pay for that upfront. Right. And that can range depending on the size of the home that you're purchasing, as well as the inspector and what their fee is. Um, and then from there, you will pay for um, your appraisal that will also that will be handled through the lender, whoever your uh, your loan officer. They'll take care of all that for you. Um, and then you have your closing cost. You have your uh, down payment, which you will get like an estimate of that as you get closer to closing from your lender. Um, and then the last thing, if I, if I didn't miss anything, um, is your attorney fees. And that will also vary depending on who your attorney is. Um, and that I think right about now, attorney fees are from like 450 up. Um, so those are the costs that are involved with purchasing a home. You see, you just said a lot of stuff. <laughs> And for someone like me, that just, I would immediately feel overwhelmed. It's just like, what? (laughs) What? So in your experience so far with what you've been doing, have you met people who just came in and they're like, hey, I have money from my tax return. Like, I can just go get a house right now. And then you sat them down and you let them know you need this, 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 and this. Have you had that? or or, Absolutely. Yeah. This is also why people need to follow me on social media. But hey, hey. Um, I do a monthly home buyers webinar. And on, during that webinar, I give all this information, right? Because as I mentioned, my number one goal is to educate, right? If you purchase through me, that's awesome. But the Bible says my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. That's one of my favorite scriptures. And so if I can give someone the knowledge that they have and they take it and they be great, that's enough for me. Right. So I give this webinar and I provide all this information. I let you know about these costs that come throughout the purchasing process. Now, keep in mind, you don't pay all of this up front. Right. So you do have like your inspection and your earnest money. That's all paid within like the first five days of going under contract. But everything else is paid at the very end of the transaction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have that, that time in between. So with the webinar, after you go through that, you can schedule a free one-on-one consultation with me. 
And I will ask you, like, what's going on with you financially? Where's your credit score? Um, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're, you're sitting at a 520? Well, we can make it work. No, because I feel like I'm setting you up for failure. I'm going to then tell you what you need to do to bring up that credit score. And I'm going to tell you that you need to keep adding to your savings. So if that looks like you being on a ramen noodles diet for the next three, four, 12 months to, to get you to where you want to be, then I'm going to let you know that. So yes, I've had had people who are like, I want to buy. Okay, well, when are you looking to buy? Oh, I think I want to buy by August. Okay, well, what are, you, what are your funds look like? What does your credit look like? Well, baby, you may not be buying by August, but if you do the work, we can get you to where you want to be. And what credit score are people looking at? Because we have Credit Karma, mm-hmm. but is that a true accurate score? It is not. Um, and Credit Karma, don't get me wrong, Credit Card Karma is good for monitoring. Okay. So I'm not saying like, do not use Credit Karma. It is good to keep up uh, to date with what's going with your credit, what's going on with your credit, what, um, um, inquiries are happening. Uh, if you didn't pay, if you missed a day, late payments, all of that is good for that. But it does not give you the accurate score. And when it comes down to lenders, every lender looks at a different number. Some may take Equifax, some may take Experian, some may take that whatever that middle number is. So if you're at a 650, 675 and a 680, they may take that 675, you know. Um, So everyone looks at a different number. So Credit Karma is good because it kind of gives you an idea, but Credit Karma is also off. So those numbers are never accurate. You can always go to, um, there's one Identity Q, Identity IQ, I think is what it's called. That is, you have to pay for that. Um, but they give you more realistic numbers. If you are a Chase card holder, the Chase, uh, what is it, Credit Journey, I, they also give you a really good idea. Um, there's also, um, if you wanted to just go to the those three different bureaus, Experian, Equifax, or TransUnion, you can do that as well and get more ideal, idealistic numbers to where you are. But just keep in mind that each lender will look at. So you really, you really need to take it seriously. Um, Absolutely. Yes, because it is, it's a serious thing. I think a lot of us, you know, it's really easy to try to keep up with the Joneses. Like you see all Mm -hmm. people like living their best life on social media, or honestly, you just might be at that age where you have been told that by this age, I should have, you know, be married and have my 2.5 kids and I should be in a home and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I think, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least in my observations, I feel like there are a lot of people who are chasing a dream of their parents or what society has told them. And then when they get into it, maybe they do get the house and things, but they realize like, oh, wow, this isn't for me. And now it's too late. So besides the, um, you know, the, the things that you've stated before, do you talk to people um, to see like why they're buying a home or if you think that they're actually ready for that responsibility or what some advice you could give to people to see if they are ready for that responsibility? Great question. So typically when we have the one-on-ones, they, 
they tend to tell me why they're looking to buy a home. Um, and most times people are looking because they realize they can save a little bit more money purchasing than they can do while they're renting. Uh, their rent is a lot higher than what their mortgage would be. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I always recommend, like for one, I tell them to do the math, right? Because if you do the math and you realize that like, it does not profit you to purchase. And if your rent is like $700 a month and a mortgage would be $1,400 a month, eh, okay, maybe you should stay in your, in your apartment. But here's the thing. It's all about investing in yourself. So even if you go from paying $700 to $1,400 a month for mortgage, when you move out of that home, that's an investment you're getting money back you may even get especially in this market you're going to get more than what you paid for it Hmm. versus if you were to leave uh move out of an apartment you may get a security deposit back but that depends on who the person is who the manager company is and if they actually like you right Mm -hmm. Um, so and and that security deposit it won't be as much as it would be if you were to purchase a home or even a condo, um, I do have a friend who she never wanted to own a home. She never wanted to like take care of the yard and all of that. Right. So mm-hmm. for her, what I recommend now, she's thinking like, I, I think I want to buy. Okay. There's options for that. You can get a condo. You can get a town home with HOAs and that will cover those maintenance things on the outside that you don't want to have to deal with yourself. You know, you can find a nice little handyman that can come and fix things for you internally that where it won't cost you so much. You know, there are ways around it. And I just think that the bigger picture is just learning to invest in yourself. Think about what that looks like for you and then make your choice. And what about the people who are looking for an investment property or maybe a commercial type building? Is it the same thing for it's a seller's market as well? So it is in the aspect of there aren't a lot of multi-units being listed. Um, But I also, you have to be careful even with purchasing something that um, has tenants involved. Um, because right now the moratorium has been extended, right? And mm-hmm. so that then can not <laughs> pay their rent. And there's nothing that you as a landlord can do about that. Mm-hmm. Is that a problem that you are that you want to buy just to get a good deal? You know? So in yeah. this market, I don't think it's the best thing to do. I would wait until the moratorium ends and then because that's really what's happening right now. A lot of people are listing these multi-units and I mean, they're saying like tenants have not paid rent since this and this and this, this will be a problem for the buyer to work with or have, you know what I mean? Or to solve or whatever. And I mean, is that fair to the buyer? No, but in their mind, it's like, oh, but this building is only selling for $200,000 and it's three units. I can get this much money from it. Not if you can't put people out that aren't paying rent. And I understand that we're all going through hard times, but why add to your troubles at this point? Um, So yes, there are fewer multi-units that are being listed, um, but you just have to be very careful in what you purchase if, uh, with that. 
Thank you for saying that because for me personally, um, you know, my husband and I, we rent and we're very okay with living in an apartment right now. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like for us and our lifestyle with like traveling and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like we, we want to see the world before we want to, you know, necessarily have a house. But something that we have discussed is, you know, maybe owning a building and um, having things that we can rent out. And so I, I've been looking at things, but I've also looked around and I'm like, I don't think this is the right time to, (laughs) to, to get it. And I know that that's a whole different other side of, um, you know, real estate and people always talk about, oh, just buy it and flip it or, you know, like get as much property as you can. But once again, it goes into educating yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, yeah, that's good if you can. But when should you do it? Why? Why is this the plan? So, you know, people like you being able to come and give their expertise is very important. Um, And so another question for you, because you said that originally you worked in hospitality mm-hmm. and then you decided, you know, you were looking for a home yourself and you, you kind of, you know, fell into this, you ended up really liking it. If anybody is looking to make a career change um, and get into being a realtor, is there any advice that you would give them? Do your research understand upfront the amount of money you have to put out in this game you have to spend the money to make it okay um also choose the choose the best brokerage for you um i know you so you interview these different companies these different agencies and a lot of them will tell you that they train right and when you're starting something that's completely different than anything you've ever done and not only is it different, but it's also um, it's self-led, right? You you do everything for yourself. You want to make sure that you join the right company that's going to give you the proper education to help you be as successful as possible in your business. So definitely do your research. Um, all that glitters is not gold. So I know <laughs> we see... Uh, you see, you know, someone can come on and say, I'm a realtor and they're driving the latest, greatest luxury vehicle and they look, oh, like, you know, they, they're dressed to the nines and all that. But you have to start somewhere. OK, and that doesn't happen overnight. You're going to have to put the work in for you and before you get there. OK, Um is it, is it great? Because, you know, you think, oh, I'm on my own time. I'm doing this. Like, it, it's nice, right? Because you do create that schedule and all that. But you still have to consider someone else's time. You're working with other individuals. Um, so there's that whole thought process. So maybe, especially in this market, if you are celebrating your son's birthday on Saturday, you can tell them, like, hey, um, this is uh, this Saturday. I won't be able to do it because of this, 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 and this, right? But mm-hmm. if the house gets on the market and you know that if they don't see it today, they're never going to see it, you may have to make those adjustments. You know what I mean? So just yeah. be, yes, you're on your own time, but you also just have to realize that you're not. Yes and no. Um, so, but I think the top thing, honestly, is just you want to um, do your research before you go through the process um, 
And then even after you become a realtor, continue doing your research, continue educating yourself um, because uh, things change and you want to just make sure you stay current with what's going on. That's very good advice. How else do you think that, let's say someone's done their research, they've gone through the training um, and they have their license, what are some ways that they can market themselves so that people will use their services? Um, so I'm going to talk about my own personal experience. Okay. Social media. Yes. Yes. And that was my thing, even because coming, starting, um, starting into real estate, getting into the industry, I knew, you know, they talk about, well, you can buy this, you can pay for that, you can do this. And I'm like, who got that kind of money to just be throwing around? I still got to live. Right. (laughs) But, but then it occurred, like, listen, Social media is free marketing and you can pay for ad space if you want to, but that's an option. You posting and being consistent, which I'm still working on the consistent part, but, um, (laughs) but just posting and being consistent will make a huge difference in your life. Um, So that's honestly for, I think LinkedIn that I know people have been sleeping on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn yes. is great. Um, my favorite is Instagram. And I can honestly, you can just post whatever you posted on Instagram to the LinkedIn um, and yes. also to Facebook. And you can, since they are the same owners, you can just link it and it'll post automatically, right? So um, that's really the best way to market yourself. Um, if you if you are join a great brokerage, and I'm so thankful for the company that I am blessed to be a part of um, because they provided a lot of these resources to me free, right? Wow. Um, to where a lot of companies, you pay this fee and you pay that fee and all that. And granted, don't get me wrong. Like, of course, they get that out of my commission split. But it made it easier as a newer agent to start a new career, and have things just there for you to use. So if you have a great agency, my agency provides, right? Maybe yours don't, but then you have Etsy um, where you can do this. It's, you know, you may have to pay a little bit more than an agency like mine who provides it for me for the free, but even doing door hangers and putting that on your neighbor's doors and just that's free, right? It'll cost you time and you'll get a little exercise in, but doing that find those things that you can uh, do for to no cost that will benefit you in the long run and the good thing about social media going back to that is even if it's something that I posted I don't know three four months ago somebody is going to eventually see that that needs it and come back to me you know um so really that's that's the best form of marketing uh free is the best thing that you could possibly pay. So, uh, you know, find those things that are little to no cost and use it to your best, uh, your best ability. So I'm definitely going to piggyback off what you just said, because as we know, like my business, I do a lot of social media management and content creation. And so I tell people, you can start by leveraging the audience that you already have. Mm-hmm. Most of us that are on social media, you know, we have our own personal accounts. And some people are like, I don't really want to mix my personal account. I want to create a new one. Awesome. You definitely need to create your own account. 
But you can also use, let's say you through the years have collected like a thousand friends and maybe you don't even talk to half these people. You probably only talk to 20 of these thousand, let's be honest. (laughs) But the fact that you have a thousand quote unquote followers from the course of your life, if you start making posts that you're putting definitely on your own business account, but also on your own personal account and you're linking them and you're saying, you know, like at this or at that, people are going to start going over to your business account. You're going to be able to put your, your expertise or whatever your business is in front of more people sooner through your personal personal page than while you're trying to build up something else. And that's, you know, everyone has their own preference. You might not want to flood your feed with all this because you're like, "Ah, I don't know. But I would say go and try it out because, you know, we always start with friends and family. We're like, hey, look, share. And if you have a big family, it's even better because it's like, hey, cousin, would you show this for me, please? You know, so that's also something free and it's something that you can do. And something else that you said is you said, you know, you might post something and it's up for, you know, three, four months. Maybe this is something you posted almost a year ago Mm -hmm. with most algorithms for social media. So let's say, you know, Instagram, TikTok, um, LinkedIn, these things, these feeds are curated specifically for what you constantly search for. Mm -hmm. So if like Instagram, for example, if you are constantly searching for like buy hashtags, or it's like, you know, hashtag real estate or business owner or whatever it is, then on your discover page, you're going to start seeing more and more content Um, That is specific for that. I've had it where something has come up in my feed, like on the discover page, and I'm just looking, it says like for you, like on TikTok. And I click on that. And it's hilarious. And I go and I click on the person's profile. And I find out that that video is from five months ago, I actually have to scroll, scroll, scroll to see like, what? right. And then I end up, you know, just on their feed for a very long time. So even though it might not seem like it's working right away. I think that our mindset has to be with anything new, you have to be in it for the long game. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, especially when we, you know, have like five, six second videos, we're so used to instant gratification that a lot of people forget that you have to put in effort and you have to put in work. And it's okay if you're trash at the beginning because you've never learned this before. This is a brand new skill. But as long as you keep learning, you'll keep growing and you will find what works for you. And Mm -hmm. as you said, social media, especially Instagram and Facebook, it's practically free. You can spend $10 and you can have an ad run for six or seven days. Yes. And it's a whole $10. That's it. That's all you spent. So if you want to say, oh, I can only spend like $30 this month, it's like, bet, there you go. (laughs) You still have, and you can customize the audiences. So it's like, instead of the whole United States, it can be like, hey, people from this area, because this is where, you know, my license is, and these are the homes that I'm showing. So I'm putting myself out there for all these things. There's multiple ways to market. And if you guys are interested, you can definitely check me out at at Lily Rose DMA on all social media channels, such mm-hmm. as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram and Facebook. 
um, TikTok <laughs> at Trees the Realtor. Um, that's T-R-E-S-E, the realtor. Um, and then, of course, on LinkedIn at Trees Hodges. Um, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm located. That also, is- I did want to say too, though, Leslie, just when you do start this career, don't expect the people the closest to you to support you right away. Mm-hmm. So don't be hurt if you don't get that feedback from your family or they don't share that post. Don't be hurt. They're trying to see how consistent you're going to be before they start making that commitment. Okay. So they'll do it over time, but they won't do it right away. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that also depends on the family, you know, like some people, (laughs) like some people are your ride or dies, no matter what other people are like, Oh, okay. You know, and that goes with giving value. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes, Sometimes you have a friend or a stranger that you just met that will share it more than your family. Yeah. And you and it's easy for your feelings to get hurt because you're like, this person doesn't even know. Me. Yes. I've spoken to them once. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But eventually, eventually, those people that are the close to you, they will start sharing. That's true. That is very true. Well, once again, thank you so much for being on the show today. We will have all of her socials in the um, the show notes. Make sure that you follow her at, at Trees the Realtor um, on all of her social channels. Make sure you tune in next week where we will have another business owner showing you how you can market yourself in this digital sphere. Once again, my name is Leslie, owner of Lily Rose DMA, and we will talk to you guys soon. Hey girl, hey! My name is Sita Hood, a licensed clinical social worker, and I want to invite you to join me over on the Lovish podcast. I created this podcast because I was tired of seeing all of these compartmentalized conversations surrounding mental wellness, faith, relationships, and love. And I wanted to see us have these conversations authentically outside of cookie cutter containers. So if you are a boss babe, a high achieving woman or recovering strong friend looking to make boundaries your bestie, practical strategies and figure out how you can thrive in this world as a Christian woman, I want to invite you to join me over on the Lovish podcast. New episodes released every Tuesday morning. Okay, I hope I see you there. Bye, girl. Thank you for joining us today on Leslie and Lily. My name is Leslie, owner of Lily Rose DMA. You can find me at www.lilyrosedma.com Tune in next week where we have more advice for new business owners on how they can grow their business in the digital sphere. Talk soon.